Well, in this series that I've titled, Who is God? We're looking at attributes of God, who God is, and because who God is determines what God does. Um, and, and so we're continuing in the series. And just to, to remind us, there are some attributes of God that we can readily understand, things like uh, his, uh, his love, his compassion, his mercy, his grace. We can understand that because we can experience that with each other and, and, and see that a little bit in our own lives. But there are other attributes of God that we can't come close to understanding because they're so different. They're so other than us. Today is one of those attributes. We will never come close to being, under, to being able to understand this attribute because it's so different than who we are. And part of the thing that makes God so profound is that he, God has attributes that are so different, that so removed from us. It's really what makes him worthy of being worshipped. Because there are some things that are so unchanging and so different than us that when all hell breaks loose in our life and everything starts falling apart, we can hold on to things that are so different, so profoundly other. That gives us a glimpse of how big and profound God is. With all the attributes that God is, I need to help us understand this though. Unless you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, you do not have access to the experience of his attributes. Unless you have a relationship with the Father through faith in the Son, it doesn't change who the Father, doesn't change his attributes. It just changes how you experience him. Because God shows and reveals his attributes in the context of relationship. And so this relationship with God through Jesus is crucial for the experience and the benefit of his attributes. One of the attributes that we'll look at, we're going to look at today, is this attribute called omnipresent. From the Latin, omni means all, and presens, present, all present. We talk about God as being the all-present one, omnipresent. Now, this is important not just to understand that he is all present, but part of what that means and entails is not just that he is present everywhere. It also means he's present at all times. There's never been a place where God isn't. And there hasn't been a time where God isn't. Now, the term omnipresent is nowhere in the Bible. But the principle of omnipresence is everywhere. So don't get confused. That's what I said about the, the term the Trinity. It's nowhere in the Bible the idea that God is three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The word Trinity is nowhere in the Scripture, but the principle is everywhere. Same thing with this attribute, omnipresent. God is omnipresent with us at all times. Now, I get real geeked out about some of this stuff, and I'm, and I'm, I'm going to do, do my best not to get too geeked out about this this morning. Uh, but this is so profound, this idea that he's omnipresent. See if you can get your, 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 your mind wrapped around this. God is so profoundly omnipresent, God exists outside the space and time continuum. That means, if you think about it, there was a time... When time wasn't, but God was. Because God exists outside the space-time continuum, there was a space where space wasn't. 
but God was. Like, if this is the experience of time, from whenever time began till when time ends, God is outside of that. Outside of space and time. The thing that blows me away is this God that's bigger than time. Now think about it. There was a time when time wasn't. There was a space where space wasn't. God was completely content and self-sufficient in God's self. When God was the only existence, and yet that God that doesn't need you or me, God was doing just fine with God's self, all by God's self. He didn't need you or me. What would make that omnipresent God want to be with you? What do you add to God's life that makes him better? Like he exists outside of this. What do I bring to the table that God says, okay, now, I thought I was doing good before time existed, but now that I got Carl. <laughs> if you think about this idea of this omnipresent God, who was not only present everywhere, but at all times, how does that God experience what we term time? We get glimpses of it in scripture. 2 Peter 3, 8, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. That's crazy. A thousand years that we experience is like a day to God. Like who cares? He's outside of that. A thousand years seems like a day to us. He's just outside of this experience of time and space. And this is why, this is precisely why God can say it has happened, but us not experience it yet. Because he's outside the ex our experience of time. For God, who's bigger and grander and larger than the start and stop of almighty time, he has already been there and is already there. So God in his grandness can say it has happened, even though we haven't experienced, because he's beyond our experience of time. Do you, you, you understand this? No, you don't, because he's incomprehensible. I thought I covered this a couple of weeks ago. Now, now think about it for a minute. This is why I started this message with, with this statement, that for those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, we get to experience his attributes in a very unique way, unlike those who don't have a relationship with the Father through faith in the Son. For those of us with, with a relationship with the Father through faith in Jesus, we call ourselves Christ followers. And for Christ followers, here's the truth. Everywhere I go, God is already there. I don't walk into a situation where God isn't already. I don't come from a situation where God is not already. If I'm going, now get this, if I'm going into a situation that is uncomfortable and unknown to me, but I know God is already there waiting for me, what then do I have to fear? And what then do I have to be worried about? If I believe that God is God of this Bible and he's as big and powerful as he says he is, and I know that I am his and I'm going into a situation that I'm sure about, uncertain about and scared about, but I know God's there, what then do I have to be worried and scared about? Y'all just missed a really key point to this whole thing. Yeah, you missed your, I mean, I got a, I got a little one from, but y'all missed your amen moment. 
This is, this is profound, especially for parents. And let me tell you why. Now, I understand <clears throat> we do the best we can raising our kids, but they are outside of our control most of the time. That we just, especially as they get older. When they're little, you can control them and manipulate them all you want, and it's called good parenting. But as they get older, they start getting this thing of their own called a mind and opinions and all that stuff. It ruins them, no doubt, <clears throat> but it, we lose our control of them. And don't, you parent, don't, don't our kids understand if we could control their lives, they would be much better people than if they controlled their own lives. Don't they understand that, right? I mean, come on. Now, that's not true for us and our parents, you know, I mean, so it stops at that. But so, so, so I know that we can't control our kids and, and, and I understand that. But this is why it's so important to when you have the opportunity to make sure they're introduced to Christ, to make sure that they start to have a profound understanding of who this God is of his love for them, of their identity in him, everything that those junior hires just covered at, at camp. To be exposed, to, this is what, because when our kids invite God into their life, God is already where they're going. Why would we send our kids willingly into a future by themselves? Do you understand? Now, I know we don't get to control them, but one of the best things we can do is put them in environments where they get to be exposed to this incredible God that is in love with them so that they'll invite them into their lives. Because as the one who's invited God into my life, I know and my kids know that they're walking into the future where God already is. And so to this incomprehensible God, let's try to get to know him. And let's try to get to understand what omnipresent means. Now, when I was young and started uh, reading the Bible, one of the stories that just enthralled me was the story of Joshua, who took over the leadership of the nation of Israel from Moses after Moses led them out of the promised land as they were going, uh, led them out of Egypt in captivity into the promised land. And I was just taken by Joshua and his story. And I want to share it with you because we see in that story a glimpse of this idea of the presence of God. This is what the Bible says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of... And I love the... I mean, don't... Do you realize that God doesn't mourn? <laughs> Not like we mourn. Like Joshua um, or Moses is God's guy. He's the one. And the Bible says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, hey, let's go. Come on. God, God didn't spend time grieving over Moses. Like God knew where Moses was and God was good with where Moses was. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I got work to do. Let's just keep, God just keeps rolling. And he says, he said, okay, now Moses is done. Now it's your turn. Joshua, the son of Nun, that means he had no parents. I thought I'd try it. Jess, I thought I'd try it. I, I know. It didn't work the first service either. Heather, you were here. They were very unimpressed. Anyway, uh, it says, uh, Moses, uh, God says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised 
Moses. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful everywhere you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Haven't I commanded you already? Be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God. What? With you wherever you go. This ever-present God wants to be with you. I started to understand the idea of this ever-present God in the context of Joshua and in the context of this passage in Psalm 139. If you've never read this Psalm, you need to familiarize yourself with it. Whether you know God or not, you need to familiarize yourself with it because it will start to explain, like unfold who this God is. Psalm 139 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You ever ask a question you already knew the answer to? Sure you do. If you're a woman, you're married, you do this all the time. You, you, you. And so the writer of Psalms is asking the question he already knows the answer to. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then the answer is the question. If I go up to the heavens, you're already there. If I make my death in the depths or in the place of the dead, you're already there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and sit on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. Now, when I was growing up, my parents had all these little posters of Bible verses with like inspirational pictures behind them all over the house. This passage they had on a poster on the wall right behind the toilet in their bathroom. So wherever I go, God was already there. Like I couldn't get away. When you want to be away from God's presence, you couldn't even get away. Not even there. It was a strange location, but it was pretty effective. If you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, you are never outside the scope of his presence. You are never outside the scope of his presence. One of God's names is El Roy. It's not El Roy. Don't think there's a redneck from Chowchilla. El God. El God. Roy C. God, like God sees me. How can he see? He sees you because he's there. He's present. Regardless of where I go, God's already there. Psalm 139 says, if I, in the morning time, God's there. At night time, God's there. In heaven, God's there. Place of the dead, God's there. At sunrise, God's there. At sunset, God's there. In sickness, God's there. In healing, God's there. In marriage, God is there. In singleness, God is there. When I'm rich, God's there. When I'm poor, God's there. When I'm happy, God's there. When I'm sad, God's there. When I'm confident, God's there. When I'm frustrated, God's there. When I'm brave, God's there. When I'm scared, God's there. Over here, God's there. And over there, God's there. God is just there. You understand? 
That was a good amen point. Thank you, brother, for getting that one. Have you ever felt like someone was watching you? Have you ever felt like someone was just like you, just like? And none of you felt that way? Okay, I grew up that way about God. It was both comforting and eerie at the same time. And so what I love about this passage, Joshua, is God tells, he says, look, Joshua, I am with you and I've made promises to you as I was, so I will be. So understand, as God was with Joshua, so he is with you because he is with you. He has made promises to you. And that's what he says in verse three. I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised. You have a need. I promise I will. You have a lack. I promise I will. You're without. I promise I will. See, his presence means I will. This is why we have to understand this profound idea of his omnipresence. Because his very presence means he will. And not only because I'm with you, I'll make promises. He says, because I'm with you, I'll keep the promises I made. Verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. You may have enemies, God says, but I am with you. You may have troubles, God says, but I am with you. You may have difficulties, God says, but I am with you. See, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The very idea that God says I will never leave you means that he is always with you. And the fact that he says, neither will I ever forsake you, he says, I will meet all your needs. Now, this is important. We all know we can be with somebody, but that somebody can meet none of our needs sometimes, right? And so what we need is to be with someone who can also then meet our needs. This is what God is saying. I'm the someone who you can be with, who will meet all your needs. See, the promise of the ever-present God is that as I was, so I will be. Like I am with you. As I was with them, so I am with you. You look in this book and you see all these people that God was, as I was, so I will be. As I was with them, so I will be with you. I, he says, I don't walk out on my people, he says. Now, this, this, because I'm with you, I'm going to make promises. Because I'm with you, I'm going to keep the promises I made. Because I'm with you, because I'm going to make you promises, I'm going to keep my promises, then you are to be strong and courageous. Now, now this is what I love about verse, have I not commanded you, God says? Be strong and be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's what I love about this passage right there. God says, you be strong and you be courageous. Why? Why was Joshua commanded to be strong and be courageous? Had nothing to do with Joshua's strength. Had nothing to do with the promise of resources. Had nothing to do with Joshua's abilities. Had nothing to do with Joshua's capabilities. The only reason he was told to be strong and courageous was because of the presence of Almighty God. You don't need nothing else, God says, but my, as long as I'm with you, you got everything you need. Now, as he was, so he is. And I just wonder how many times we've been praying for provision. 
God, do this. God, give me this. God, make this. God, make that happen. And the whole time, God is saying, you only need my presence. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. As I was with Joshua, so I'll be with you. I told you to be strong and courageous. And the only thing you need to know is that I am with you. Maybe instead of praying for provision all the time, we ought to be thanking him for his presence. You understand? I just wonder if sometimes God says, I know what you need. You need to know I'm with you because I'm bigger than your need. Do you understand? Here's one reason why it's important why God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Here's one reason. Because fear is the denial of God's presence. Fear is the denial of God's presence. If God is omnipotent at all times, and he is with us, the only reason we fear is because we deny him. I wonder how that goes in heaven. When we say, oh, no, Jesus, I love you. I trust you. Oh, God, I love you. I love you. I trust you. And then we're fearful and actually are denying his presence. I wonder if God just thinks, you know what? Carl, just stop for a minute. If you believed I was with you, you wouldn't be afraid right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wonder how many of us continue to live in the denial of God's very presence, the denial of him, because we live in fear of uncertainty. Rather than saying, God, thank you that you're with me. That's all I need. See? You know what the remedy of fear is? I'm going to tell you right now. The remedy for fear is a realization of God's presence. You want to fix fear in your life? Start realizing God's with you. That's the remedy of fear. Because as I have been, so I will be. Right? Okay, now let me tell you, the, let, let me show you the difficulty behind this whole thing. Let me, show, let me show you why this is so hard. Let me show you why this is hard for us to accept. Because the ever-present God only shows his presence in situations when I feel alone. The ever-present God only reveals his, the profoundness of his presence when, when, I'm, when I feel like... So Joshua and the Hebrews were now without Moses, their leader, their source of hope, their connection to God, the one through whom miracles were performed, the one through whom led the nation out of slavery, the one through whose outstretched arm part of the Red Sea, the one through whom manna came in the desert and quail in the desert and water from them. Now they were alone. And it was in their lonely. It was in their aloneness that God revealed his presence. So here's the thing. If I want to experience the presence of God and the benefits of the presence of God, God may have to put me in a situation, a circumstance when I am completely and utterly alone. What's the problem with that scenario? What? We don't like it. We don't like being alone. If you knew you had to go through the desert of loneliness and, 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 and isolation, would you still want to, want to be in the presence of God? 
Wow, I don't know if I would. I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't have a very big Bible. Some of you got real big Bibles. You got a lot more faith than me. My Bible isn't that big. I mean, look, it's only... There was one fellow walked in. His Bible this morning was like this big. He had a lot of faith. He's a, that's a real Christian to carry a big Bible like that. I, mine isn't that. And so I, if I'm honest with you, I would much rather not need to be reassured of God's presence. I would rather everything go good and everything go well, me never be in those moments of isolation, despair, and being alone, so I didn't have to rely on this ever-present God who was with me wherever I go. I'd rather things go nice so I didn't have to experience the assurance of his presence. Wouldn't you? It's only when they felt alone that God had the freedom to reveal his presence. And that's why this is so hard. Because we do everything in our lives to keep us from being in moments of being alone and without. God may allow you to be in moments where you feel completely alone at first, so God can reveal to you and show to you his presence. And if you are not overwhelmingly convinced of his love for you and his presence, you will fight and cuss and run away. Do you understand? This issue of being alone is really interesting. Because if I'm alone, but I have all my needs met, that's not actually a bad thing. That's called a vacation or a nap. See, not all alones are bad alones. But if I'm alone and without, if I'm alone and in need, if I'm alone and need somebody and I got nothing and nobody, then I'm scared. But it's in those times that God reveals his presence. See, in a world where everything is unknown, we can go on ahead because we know we're not alone. And if I'm going forward, I need a God who has already gone forward. See, we might be broken, but we can go on ahead because God is already there. And we might be scared, but we can go on ahead because God is already there. And we might be alone, but we can go on ahead because God is already there because he is omnipotent and omnipresent. Now, some will ask, well, what about when I sin? Where is God when I sin? If you've ever asked that question, I'm going to tell you right now, the only reason you're asking that question is because you're a sinner. It's the only reason we would even wrestle with that question, because we realize we done messed up. If you ever ask that question, where is God when I sin? Is he still with me? The first thing I would say is repent. Repent. Turn around. It is true that God loves you, no doubt. But it is also true that God is dangerous. God is love and God is dangerous. God is not a tame God. And if God is with you, regardless, that God who is love and that God who is dangerous is with you. C.S. Lewis in the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, in one of the first books that most people read in that series, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is explaining in, 
in, in beautiful language, this story of Jesus coming to earth. And in the story, Jesus is, is, is characterized by a lion named Aslan. And these kids from earth go into this magic land called Narnia and get to know this lion called Aslan. And two of these kids, Lucy and Susan, are talking to a character named Mr. Beaver about the Aslan lion which is a figure of Christ. And they asked Mr. Beaver, is Aslan the lion safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. Lewis then continues and he says, some people think that a thing cannot be both good and terrible at the same time. I'm here to tell you, God is both good and dangerous. God is both good and terrible at the same time. See, we want God who is love to be with us all the time. But what about the dangerous God? What about the God when we break his law and his commands? We want that God with us? What about the dangerous God for whom there is consequences when we sin? You want that God with you? Well, I got news for you. He ain't going anywhere. All of his love and all of his danger are with us when we're behaving ourselves and when we're being naughty. This is so, God's presence is so profound that though David understood the possibility of God's wrath, knew that even in that he needed God's presence. Notice what the Bible says. Don't cast, this is David saying, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing, a, a willing spirit to sustain me. David says, I know that you're a loving God, but I also know you're a fearful God. And I do not want to fall in the hands of an angry God. But God, even if I do, I need your presence regardless. I would rather be around you. I would rather experience. I, I would rather, God, just don't leave. See, here's what happens. When we sin, we don't lose Jesus, but we lose a sense of his presence. And that's why David says, don't, don't, don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your presence from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. When we sin, when the Christ follower sins, we lose the experience, the feeling of his presence, and we lose our joy. We don't lose God. So, so, so having said that, let me ask you this. Why would God choose to be with you? Why would God? The Bible says that none of us are righteous, not one. There's nothing good within us ourselves, nothing. So why would God choose to be with you? Like I said, what do we add to him? Why would he choose you? Because of relationship. Because God exists in relationship and wants his creatures to exist in relationship. Not that we add anything to God. He just wants us to exist in the relationship that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit share. And so what would convince God to be with us? 
It's a thing called faith. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to officially enter into a relationship with God that wants to forever be with you. So I'm about to close your eyes and just do a little bit of time between you and God right now. And if you've never officially said, God, I want you to lead my life. I know I want you to be with me. Not as a cosmic force, but as a personal God. I want to invite you right now, just in your own words, to say something like this. God, thank you that you love me so much that you asked your son to come die on the cross for my sin. Forgive me for living outside of your laws and commands. That sin, and I confess that I'm a sinner and ask your forgiveness. Come into my life. Create in me a new heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Be with me and come upon me and change me as much as I know how. I choose you and I choose to follow you. Amen. Now, now here's what happens. You got to stay with me. I know I'm over time already, but just deal with it. Okay? No, I shouldn't say that. That sounds rude. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get really direct like that. And um, so if you got to go, then go ahead. If you got to turn us off online, go ahead. I mean, I, d I doubt you're saved, but that's all right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax. I get to lighten stuff up a little bit. Just So here's the thing. If God is, if we have that relationship and God is with us, here, here's the results of it all. Because of God's presence, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand because he is with me. I will not be shaken for those who are with God and God is with them. We remain unmoved in a world of turmoil. When the world becomes more chaotic, we get more stable. And so here's how this looks in half. When, when half the country believes that with the new president, things will stabilize. They will soon rediscover that stability does not come from the white house. And they will realize that they need the presence of God. But for the other half of the country that believes with the new president, now their whole world's going to fall apart and lose all their freedoms, all their money, they're going to realize that they need more stability than what the old president and White House could have given them anyway, and they need the presence of God. And even more so, with 40% of the country that doesn't trust the vaccine, and the other 60% that can't get the vaccine, the only way you stay unmoved in something like that is to have the presence of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so at the end of the day, what we need is not provision and answer, but what we need is a realization of God's presence. <sighs> So now, through a relationship with Jesus by faith, we have access to the Father and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. And that relationship, that relationship is eternal. That relationship is eternal. 
Psalm 73. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. God, you guide me with your counsel. And afterward, after what? After this life, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, slash my flesh and my heart will fail, slash my flesh and my heart definitely are going to perish and die. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The, the writer of Psalm 73 says, I am with you, God, and you hold my hand, God. And after I'm done from this world, you receive me. Nothing on earth I desire more than you. And one day, because you have already gone where I'm headed, I will be with you. I guarantee you my heart will fail. I guarantee you my body will fail. But me and you is forever. Don't get too caught up in life only on this earth. Don't get too caught up on God's presence only with you on this earth. We were made for a better world. We were made for a better life. And he has already gone where we are headed. While you're here, live with the presence of God in your life and on your life. See, here's what I, when we practice living with the presence of God in our life and on our life, we get very comfortable taking the step into the life where God is. If we're not comfortable with the presence of God in our life and on our life, we hold on to this world with everything we got. Because we're not certain of his presence. Those who are absolutely certain and confident of the presence of God can let go of this world and with comfort and assurance step into the next. Do you understand? God is already where you're going. A couple years ago, I started praying for my sons, especially for my family, but specifically for my sons. Because I know that God is with them. That's not the issue. I started praying for my sons every day. That God would open their eyes to see and to experience his presence and his provision and his protection. Because I know that he's with them. The issue is not, is God? The issue is, God, I need to realize that you are. And so my prayer in this moment is, God, that you would open our eyes to help us realize your presence. And in your presence, your provision, your protection, that you are with us and you are all we need. And so my prayer is, God, until we are with you, Let us realize that you are present with us. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've invited us into a relationship with you. Thank you that you have promised us. That you have promised us your presence. That you've made us a promise that neither will you leave us nor will you forsake us. 
Thank you for the promise and the realization that you already are where we're headed. That though the future may be unknown to us, you are already there. Father, my prayer in this moment is for those of us who know you because of our faith in your son, that Holy Spirit, you would be with us, in us, and upon us. And you would give us eyes to see and a faith to understand and trust that you would help us see your presence and in your presence, your provision and your protection. Father, we need a lot of things, but you are greater than our need. What we need is your presence. Remind us, Father, that we cannot flee from your presence, that we, if we rise on the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the sea, if we go up to heaven, you're there. If we go down to the depths of hell, you're there. At your right hand, Father. We love you.